0: What's up, Fast Brackets podcast listeners? This is Luke Bogacki for ThisIsBracketRacing.com. I want you to take a minute to think about the biggest round that you can envision staging for. Maybe it's the top sportsman final at this year's U.S. Nationals. Maybe it's the round to determine the PDRA top dragster championship. Maybe it's first round this weekend. Regardless, there is real emotion, maybe even some anxiety that comes with that huge round. You've invested a ton to get to that point. You deserve to have confidence that you're putting the best version of yourself into the beams. That's where we can help by providing increased understanding with an emphasis on execution. That big round I've been there. or somewhere close to it. So have my instructors, Kevin Brannon and Justin Lamb. We each have ways of not only dealing with that pressure, but reframing it to our advantage. Exclusively for Fast Brackets listeners, we're giving away one of my favorite mental game trainings for free. To take advantage, visit thisisbracketracing.com slash fastpressure. Again, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash fast pressure.
1: Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Uh, Guys, girls, it is episode number 16. It is the first full week in August. Wow. We are 16 weeks in uh, for the show thanks for coming along for the ride. Um, it has been fantastic so far. And as I mentioned early, um, if you listened and if you just listen to three weeks, you'll be hooked. Um, and that is exactly what has happened. Nice job to all of you out there currently in fast brackets nation. Um, if you're just joining us today, give it three weeks, you will be hooked also. All right. Um, Hey, today is a must-listen episode today. I have two fantastic guests on. Uh, First up, Don O'Neill. He is a NHRA top sportsman standout, and he has an incredible new car we're going to talk through. Um, Really excited about that. Also, uh, Jake Hodge is going to come on. He is a drag racer, multitasker. Uh, He's got his hands in a lot of different things in the world of drag racing, and I'm excited to talk to Jake about all that he has um, in his world. Um, Interesting stuff today. Really excited to get with those guys. Uh, But before we get at it today, um, follow us on Twitter, at Fast Brackets, like and follow the Fast Brackets podcast podcast page on facebook and right now if you've got your phone on you you're looking at it uh send me a message like the facebook page um just send a message doesn't matter what it is i like to hear the feedback and it is good for all of us um, to keep the momentum in this group going Um, but hey before we get to it um get yourself going mow the yard make your commute clean the shop get your helmet strapped on get in pull those belts tight because here we go okay let's make a pass let's get them hot let's put it in the water box and talk about the u.s nationals guys girls the big go is less than one month away and in honor of the first-ever U.S. Nationals Wally that is going to a top sportsman and top dragster competitor, we are gearing up for a Fast Brackets podcast live show. That's right. Um, we will be doing this live, um, and just to be fair, uh, it is less about the Fast Brackets show and more about the competitors that will be on on the track fighting for that first-ever top sportsman and top dragster, Wally. Those guys and girls that are dying to be placed in the history books. Um, We will have more details next week, but put it on your calendar now because the plan is to have likely two shows, one for top sportsman and one for top dragster. I really want to get in and highlight the qualifiers, uh, dig into the ladders, and give some time to those who are in the hunt for the first wally ever? I want to I want to dig into their emotions, their thought processes, and their competitive nature. That way, um, of course, we're still working out some details. But the best case scenario is the location is it's in the tower or somewhere at the track itself. Uh, the worst case scenario is, and we've already got this one pinned down, and we're we're working to make it better. But the worst case scenario is it is a short golf cart ride just outside the facility at the Big Go. So you would not have to make any transportation plans. You don't have to get an Uber. You do not have to unhook the rig, get in the golf cart, roll down the street a little bit, it's safe, and be there. So those are – we're still working out details, but the location is either good or great, and uh, we're working on that. Likely, in terms of time, it will be Thursday evening – After the fields have been set, um, and then we'll do our thing. We will talk hot topics of the week. We'll discuss the ladders, who might have the inside track. Um, We'll also eat and relax a little bit, knowing that history is about to be made. Um, So stay tuned for details. But if you will be at the big go, if you plan on, you know, just plan on attending the Fast Brackets Podcast live show. Just do it. It'll be fun. Uh, Bring your crew uh, bring your family, friends, and guys that are running other classes. They will probably, um, any historian of the sport will be appreciative of this as well. And also bring your sponsors. Let them know that you are getting the word out as well. Um, I'm excited. And mostly because all of you that have been on the show and all of you that have supported the show this so far have been fantastic. Um, and the live show is just going to be our normal program, but we're going to throw an extra kit. We're going to bring out the big pulley, et cetera, and go after it live. All right. Let's uh, pull the RPMs up a little bit and put it in the beams. Our next guest, I'm really excited to have him. He is a two-time top sportsman, divisional event winner. He's a two-time top sportsman, national event winner. He's a multi-time top 10 national top sportsman finisher, uh, co-host of the Racers in Rental Cars podcast from God's Country, Don O'Neill. Don, thanks for coming on. How are you today?
2: Hey, I'm doing well, Rex. Thank you very much for that introduction. It's uh, always uh, humbling to hear uh, people introduce you when uh, you don't don't do a really good job of introducing yourself. So I greatly appreciate that. Thank you.
1: We are all about shameless self promotion here, so uh, that's <laughs> that's what we do. Um, I've got well, I've got a lot of questions to ask you today, so we're gonna get right in it. Um, you were a longtime Super Comp competitor, and what I'm curious about is tell us how and when you made the trans transition to Top Sportsman where you've been so successful
2: that was a uh a business decision and it, it was obviously at this point if you can have forward thinking which i'm gonna credit uh jb for uh we left uh Supercomp based off of the fact that as anybody knows that runs Citricomp, you've got to go a lot of rounds to get paid, uh, regardless of whether it's round money or not. And Top Sportsman World, you uh, don't. If quite frankly, you you know, first round losers, second round losers, uh, you know, you you get round money. And we're in we're in the business of motorsports and drag racing, and when you've got to run. What they have in Topeka a couple weeks ago, I think someone told me that on the sheet they had 155 Super Comp cars. Uh, And that's a lot of people to have to go through when you can go through, um, you know, a third of that running top sportsmen. So we made a, a business decision. We had, at that time, Mark had already started driving the blue Mustang, and we had the black Monte Carlo that Mark campaigned for a while sitting there in the shop, and it was just one of those deals where it just made sense uh, based on the number of events that we were going to and the costs that were incurred to operate. It was a business decision. And I guess if you fast forward uh, four years, let's see, would well, that be four or five years? I think it's five, four. I think that was in 2014. Uh, we did that. So you fast forward five years, and uh, we had a rough year the first year, getting our feet underneath us with the car and me learn, I, learning, which a lot of people don't know, is that I actually started my driving career in a door car. My dad had a uh, 55 Chevy. It was a steel-bodied top sportsman car. It's still currently a big dog car down in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Travis Harvey and his family uh, from time to time, you'll see it uh, make make uh, an appearance in the, in the sunlight. Most of the time, it's in the moonlight nowadays, but uh, and so that's where I started at in, in super comp. The dragster deal was just because it was more economical for somebody that was on their own, uh, to be able to campaign, uh, and be able to get it done by themselves as they traveled the country. So, uh, yeah, looking back now, uh, heck, it was a, a, a pretty good decision on my, uh, on my ownership spark.
1: Agreed. Completely agree. And then over the winter, you made another business decision. Then to go to a new car, a new engine platform, um, walk us through that and what you ended up with.
2: Well, actually, you really have to go back two years. My wife and I left the PRI show in 2017, and on the drive I said, we need to get a Pro Stock Camaro and a LS engine platform combination to go top sportsman racing with and that was kind of where it started and it took me multiple months to get my ownership kind of on board with it there was a lot of meetings a lot of conversations a lot of no's uh, a lot of man we don't knows, uh, just a lot of uncertainty if you will uh, about doing it and I think we finally really Put our foot on the gas pedal in August, um, basically up in Brainerd. You know, it was, it's now getting ready to be a year here in another week. Sure. Uh, made a deal with the Elite Group and Laughlin Laughlin Clan, and uh, purchased a Pro Stock Camaro, and it made its way from uh, Winnie Wood, Oklahoma, to uh, to the Midwest, and that kind of started the process, and we. Decided that we wanted, I say we, I decided that the LS market is where the next generation of consumers and and racers and spectators are coming from. It's coming from that modern generation uh, group. Um, There's, I I mean, I said it at PRI, there's nothing cool whatsoever about two carburetors and two stages of nitrous in a 98 Monte Carlo. There's nothing cool about that. I mean, most people thought it was Illumina. Uh, but there is something that's pretty stinking cool about an LS motor with a Magnuson supercharger that tucked underneath a hood, a front end of a Jerry House Pro Stock Camaro going 680s at 200 miles an hour. Uh, and it's something that you can build right off the shelf, uh, go into any GM dealership across the country and see a Magnuson sitting on top of a Corvette. Uh, see an LS engine in a truck or a Camaro or whatever the case may be, uh, made up with parts that people can get a hold of every day. So it was a, another big business decision. Uh, NGK, NTK, big proponents of it uh, because of that demographic group, Tubit big proponents of it because of the demographic groups of course vp and and mickey and the other companies that are on board with it uh, it just made sense and yeah we, we're not turning on wind lights yet with it but it's getting consistency and it's getting better and we're getting the attention out of that platform like we had hoped we would uh, pri was a huge success um we're we're making leaps and bounds and it's going to take a little while and we still got growing pains ahead of us but it for the marketing companies the high performance companies that got involved it was it was the right decision
1: that that makes a lot of sense to me i mean it's it's part of the reason why the factory stock stuff is so popular right it's it's ls based camaro stuff and it kind of looks like something you could put in a car that you could drive right and that was that was your thought with the Camaro and the LS and I think it's that it's um uh, I'm gonna back off genius uh, for just a little bit but uh, but really really cool thought process right there and I want to start with the chassis then so um, what type of um, chassis changes do you have to make then for that because obviously that was set up for a 500 Cubic inch, pro stock motor, and then how does what type of changes do you have to make to put an LS in there?
2: Well, not believe it or not, not as many as you would think, but at the same time, there you know there were a few um, speed bumps, engineering R and D, re-engineering, if you will, that had to that had to take place. Uh, We we used two of the best chassis companies. Uh, in the country to assist us in the program, the first one was Tim McCamus. Uh, obviously, uh, him and Billy and his team up there, they did the changeover, and then we used, uh, of course, Jerry Haas and John DeFlorian and his whole team there. Uh, they came in after we got through PRI and, and were able to, uh, as I say, you know, keep the ship pointed in the right direction. Uh, but it was ma- mainly you know front motor plates uh, cross members different the dry shaft loops in them um, you know things had to be moved around uh, JB did a lot of fab work mark did a lot of fab work as well uh, once we got it back here for the big stuff and, and you had to get the, the little you know details if you will done to uh, to be able to transfer it over from a you know a 500 inch pro stock car that it was created for for the gray family back in 2013 to the top sportsman car that it is for us today
1: yeah i think that's um i think those are the type of details that largely go unnoticed and yet um really set it off and and are ultimately very time consuming i mean you have a thought in your mind like hey it's going to be ready by this date and it was ten little things that ultimately push that thing back. I'm sure of it. Um, and when I look at my car and I think about the things that I would like to change here or there, seemingly it's a, a logical thought, but, uh, the fab work is, is pretty intense. And so it sounds like, uh, you were really hustling over the winter to make that happen.
2: We did. We it's um uh, you know, it, it was like anything, you know, you want to keep things a secret. We were keeping, um you know we were keeping a lid on it if you will the, to the best that we possibly could the car stayed in missouri uh up until i think we went and got it i think it was shortly uh i think it was shortly after the st louis divisional uh last year we made a trip and finally brought it home and and started at that process of of getting it you know, stripped and and identified on things that it needed and how we were going to go about doing it and getting it wrapped and getting it presentable just to go to PRI for the unveiling. Uh, A lot of people were kind of stunned, you know, February, March, April timeframe when we're talking about getting an engine combination done. They thought that it was actually complete while I was sitting there at PRI and, and we hadn't even... Uh, remotely started on building an engine combination at that point. So it it was, there was a lot of things to it, uh, a lot of detail. We get a lot of compliments on it. JB and and Mark and everybody did a really good job on the details of of making it flow good, be able to work on. That's another aspect of it that was very challenging because of all the water systems and, and fuel systems and so forth that had to go Uh, to be done underneath the hood, inside the the cockpit with all the wiring and so forth on the changeover. So uh, we get a lot of compliments on that, and and they deserve all the credit for for that that was done for all of the work that Haas and McCamus and and everyone involved has done. So uh, I I just got to uh, watch it come to life as a a vision, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that it is – um, an LS combination. Obviously, it's not a stock block. What uh, what type of framework do you have for that, dude?
2: So what we did is we took we took a thought process, and and then of course, fast forward, we probably would go back, and if we had to do it over again, we may change a couple of things. But we wanted an LS combination that anybody could go build, mm-hmm. and so we started with all, basically all aftermarket parts, but yet the standard of dimensions and and bore and stroke and things of that nature. So we have a 427 uh, engine combination. It's a RHS, uh, solid aluminum block. It has Brodex heads, CNC, their best LS7 heads that they have to offer, uh, Anthony and his guys over at MGP uh, with the aluminum rods, the Diamond Pistons from, from Mike and Randy and the team up there in Michigan with Trend, their push rods. So everything basically coming from the race-winning brand uh, umbrella with Dart and, their, and a billet crank. And then from that point, that's really where the 427 stopped. Uh, at, that, at that point, cylinder heads, Uh, with with everything that goes along with that, with Manly and Crower. All of those items were were basically off the shelf, if you will. Nothing creative, uh, outlandishing to be assembled. Uh, We stopped at that point and moved on to the factory stock showdown 350 combination. And we basically took what's on top of a, a 350 combo and factory stock showdown and put it on top of an lsx 427 and from that point we've got our engine combination you know and we uh, uh, we did it's a who's who's list of the ls market for the parts that we use comp cams as i said rhs morosa with their oil pan system a single stage pump yeah, so those combos are those companies are so familiar with those combinations, but they're used to them being in a GM high performance stock block, you know, or right. they're using the using the LS heads from GM, and they know where the improvement area, the durability factor is. So we were able to leverage their R&D previously along with what we were thinking of trying to build something, they would go 150 runs or 200 runs without having to be have to come apart, you know? And uh, when you get companies like total seal and diamond and those guys and, and MGP and dart, you get them all together and they are able to, when you take the handcuffs off of them and they say, look, this is what we've got. It will be solid. It'll be durable. That's, that's what you're going for if you're in drag racing and you're trying to make money at it and and you're trying to be business centric uh then you've got to make sure that you've got the right people and the right capital involvement and that's what i think we've done i think we've built a a really solid platform engine combination that that is proven you know from gaskets from flat out i mean right down to who the injectors come from. So um, an injector dynamics, I think we've built that combination that if somebody wanted to do it and replicate it and they can find a, a, you know, a lightweight car like we've done and put in it, you can go be competitive in cost and not have to worry about bottles and pistons and so forth and, and really actually focus and, and be competitive in today's marketplace.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, that's impressive. So now you've got this uh, quote-unquote bulletproof LS bottom end, and now you just bolt this uh, Magnuson supercharger on top of it. And, I mean, is it just as easy as just changing pulleys to decide how much power you make?
2: Well, right now I wish I could tell you that we've changed a lot of pulleys. We are still running um, the standard factory stock showdown uh Combination, if you will. We're running a 109 millimeter throttle body. We're running their pulleys, um, you know, from where they're at. We are not spinning the supercharger at max capacity uh, because right now we're still running a 109 millimeter throttle body. We're spinning the supercharger based on the maximum airflow that that we can produce with the 109. Uh, that's producing, you know, the ETs and the mile an hour that we're running now. We don't feel, at the moment, we don't feel like we are anywhere close to a ceiling with its potential. But at the same time, we're stepping through the process so that we can, I don't want to say create a catalog, but create enough data, not only for Magnuson, but for ourselves and Holly and Injector Dynamics and the companies that are involved to be able to say, okay, this combination with these pulleys and this throttle body will produce X. And once we change Y, it'll produce X and, and continue on that type of progress so that when people are out there and they're calling up Patterson or, or they're calling up someone, you know, Holly or Magnuson or whatever, we've, I don't want to say we've got a playbook, but we've got something to be able to say, okay, if you do these, these items, this is the kind of horsepower ET per, you know, performance range that you could be in. Uh, and we just didn't want to just jump right in, you know, waist deep and not have the data or the research to go along with it to say, okay this is this is where you'll be at and so uh, we, we're, i don't want to say that we're slow playing it but also at the same time we're trying to be methodical about the changes that we're making
1: now i like that a lot um i, I like that uh, a, a real bunch because um yeah i mean there's a progression to this and you know as as you walk through this you'll be able to go back and go hey Here's maybe where we could have changed and done a little bit better, and you can't do that if you just make wholesale changes. So I, I like that, um, and you kind of answered that. But uh, my question, my next question for you was, what were your performance goals for this car, and how close do you think you are? Uh, but if you you're still on what is the factory stock throttle body, it seems like this thing is ready to go. Well, we. I guess it depends. We kind of went through stages,
2: and, and and you know we talk about going through the seven stages of life. You know where you go through grief, <laughs> denial, and you know when you have significant. You know like we're going down a racetrack, and you you know your wind light doesn't come on, and you go through the seven stages really really quick. You know I <laughs> you know of of accept you know getting to acceptance by the time you get to the ET shack, and I kind of went through that with where we were when we started this process, I had numerous people tell me that I was like off my rocker. They were like, dude, don't do it. It's not going to do what you think it's going to your, you know, you've got a proven top 10 program, um, leave it alone. You know, don't go that way. If you're going to go get a, you know, a pro stock Camaro, put a nitrous motor in it, you know, and, um, it was a challenge. And, and it really came down to, like, simple math of, of just, you know, talking to the right people and them going, okay, look, a, a good factory stock showdown car makes 1,300 horsepower. Uh, a pro stock car makes 1,350 horsepower. This is what it weighs. This is the ETs that it produces. This is what this weighs. This is the ETs that it produces. This is what you're talking about, Wayne. This is the range that you should be in. And that's real. I mean, we just – I kept holding on to that, and and I remember, I remember going at one point when I was kind of disappointed in, in where we were at at the moment, uh, you know, dyno wise. And I remember going, God, I hope the thing will just go six nineties. <laughs> and I I remember t- I remember saying that out loud, and and going, you know, God, I'm going to look like an idiot you know and i remember telling you know my wife and jb and and other people in the circle going man but,
1: i but tell don, everybody I mean, where you're at right now don
2: well right now today our best et has been 684 and our best speed has been 201 there you go um so you know we're i i do believe that we've hit the ceiling on The combination as it is right now in the frame rails, Um, and we're still at today. You know, knock on wood, we're still working, trying to build more horsepower as we go. You know, towards what I consider one of the biggest races of the year, and that being the U.S. Nationals. Um, You know, I, you know, wasn't a few weeks ago I collected a DNQ, and it was my only my second DNQ ever. uh, You know, at Indy and not qualifying and that just kind of that just kind of really takes the helium out of your balloon but at the same point you're going i'm fifth alternate out of 40 some cars 48 cars over here with a 63 bump and then i just go up the road you know a little ways and i go from being fifth alternate to number 11 on the sheet and that just kind of shows you the difference across the region of the top sportsman category, if you will, um, for, you know, what's going, where the competition level is. And, um, I just, uh, I, I know we've still got it out there. We're going to find it and we're going to make more horsepower. I really honestly believe as I stand here today that we probably have low six sixties left out there on the table. um, And so, you know, we've all committed to trying to get there, but at the same time we've got to make sure that the moves that we're making are the right moves uh, as we progress. So, you know, the Magnuson folks are on board, the Holly folks are on board, Obviously, my ownership group's on board. Uh, we just gotta one one step at a time and make sure because this is a long haul type situation. I don't want to say it's a complete rebuilding year because nobody doesn't nobody does not want to be competitive when they roll through the gate. And I feel like we're competitive. We're just not the quickest in the country right now, um, and and so we uh, we got to get back to that. And I, I feel like as we come into the the fall here of 2019, going into 20. Uh, 2020 will be a uh, will be a significant year for us.
1: No, no doubt. Um, thank you so much for walking us through that. That's uh, really interesting stuff. I I think as we go along, I mean, seriously, doing uh, you know 680s on 427 cubic inches is just amazing. And I know you've got more left in it, so we want to hear how that goes. Um, but I also know that you talk a little bit about that on your own podcast, uh, Racers and Rental Cars. You want to talk a little bit about what you guys do um, on your show on a weekly basis?
2: Uh, well, it dep- if you listened this last week, as we called it the dumpster fire, you'd be surprised <laughs> that we do anything at all. Um, y- you know, we're just uh, – and you and I have talked off-air about it, as well as I've talked with other people about podcasts and stuff. You know, Cam came, as we're getting ready to be on a year – a year ago, and was like, "Hey, let's do a podcast about something completely different. Uh, let's let's make it racing related, but let's not make it racing recap. and let's talk about the business side, if you will, of motorsports. And I am very involved and submersed in the motorsports marketing or sports marketing, if you will, or the b two b side. Uh, it's funny that you talk about self-promotion. Uh, you know, those types of, of avenues for the next generation of racers are the ones that are out there being competitive today or the business owners that are, that are out there and their racers uh, and being able to help them understand how to leverage what they're doing in their everyday life to allow it to impact things that they're either passionate about or will create more financial reward for them to be able to do what they're passionate about and hopefully that's in some way, shape or form or uh, motorsports. And so that's I mean what's what we do. We we talk a lot about things, you know, do's and don'ts, things that are going on, things that we see, uh and at the same point, you know, Cam and I are just out here, you know, we're on opposite ends of the country and we're chasing the, as everybody wants to call it, the dream. And I always tell them that I hate to see what they think a nightmare looks like. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we want to be successful and be able to be impactful. I don't want to say put our, put our label on it or put our footprint on it, or, you know, put a fingerprint on it, whatever the case may be, but we want to help people understand and allow them to grow and um, just, take motorsports take this passionate world that we live in this ridiculously stupid lifestyle that we chase um to be able to be the next level and, and be able to create some sort of content media explanation across the board and, and share it with people and we hope that on a weekly basis when obviously i have no idea who these people are that tune in on a religious basis like they are uh Hope, hopefully, we impact them in one way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good stuff, and and a little maybe uh, lighter side of it sometimes, which is which is good for all of us. But uh, very, very informative, and and uh, I encourage all our listeners to check you out the Racers in Rental Cars podcast. Um, with Don O'Neill. And, um, Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Um, really appreciate your insight into your new car. Uh, wish you and your wife, Diane, very, very best. And we will, we'll talk again real soon.
2: Thank you very much for having me on Rex. And I, uh, look forward to your episode every week. Too bad that I'm following up this week. You should have bumped me if Sean Herbst would have won yesterday. You should have been calling him first-time national event winner, but he got another runner-up. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, we my were, heart was we breaking.
2: Were, we, yeah, we were. I was pulling for him. Uh, never met him, but anybody that's been a, a bridesmaid that many times, God dang it, you got to be a bride at some point
1: no doubt yep no 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 doubt we'll get him back on get him some more karma and let him get that dude all right i
2: hope so you be good rex i'll talk to you soon Yep. thanks
1: so. don that was a great don o'neill today's half track report is brought to you by blown trailer com. when you need to white knuckle it to the next rest stop destroy fender wells make you late getting to the track or getting home or generally just put you in a bad mood, you need blown trailer tires. Order now at tires.com and get more side-of-the-road blues for your... What? For your dollar? What is this? Is this because Hodge is on today? That's it, isn't it? Of course, that's not true. Today's half-track report is brought to you by Ed Harney at lawyer.com like it always is You know by now that if you need someone you can trust, someone who is like you, a drag racer, and has the legal expertise you need, you have to go to DragRaceLawyer.com and talk to Ed. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Let's start at the national event in Seattle for NHRA. Um, On the top sportsman side, they did both top sportsman and top dragster at the national event in Seattle. And your number one qualifier in the pole position for top sportsman was Phil Uro. He uh, went 649.9 at 224 miles an hour. There were 22 cars up in the northwest corner of the U.S., and our man, Sean Herbst, who was on last weekend, went to the final. You heard him say, I need to win this national event. He's in the final. Doug Bracy crushed his hopes and dreams. Uh, Sean is one thou behind Doug at the starting line. And Doug Bracy goes dead on one at the stripe, demanding that Sean go dead on zero to get his first national event win. But Sean is 3 thou under to keep that uh, chase dream alive. He said it was his last major goal, and he was 3 thou away from achieving it. Nice work, Doug Bracey. He gets his third national event win. Uh, Congrats to him. Uh, We are certainly pulling for Sean Herbst, and, uh, man, that is hurtful. Uh, Sean, still pulling for you. Have our fingers crossed. Go get him. Um, On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was Mike Coughlin at running a 615-2 at 222 miles an hour. There were 31 long cars in the show, and your winner was Jeff Havens over over Thomas Bayer. Uh, Bayer's goes red, giving Jeff Havens his first national event win. Congrats to Jeff Havens. Um, Now let's go to the middle of the country. Let's go to the Midwest Pro Mod Series in St. Louis, uh, the Worldwide Technologies Motorsports Park or Gateway, um, as it will always be to me. But uh, we do – they did a couple of cool events here for Top Sportsman and Top Dragster. On the Top Sportsman side, they ran their normal event. Your number one qualifier uh, came on the show earlier in the year, number one. Andrew Johnson, he runs a 3:89 to the eighth mile. Um, there were 11 cars that made the first round, and your winner was Bob Gality. He um, takes the points lead with that win. He's been competing all year long, either one or two, and so he retakes the point lead. Good for him. Um, and it ended up being a, a huge weekend for Bob because another cool event that the Midwest Pro Mod series did at this event is they held the Outlaw Fast Four. So what they did is they took the top four qualifiers in both Top Sportsman and Top Dragster, and they let those four run off in a heads-up competition. Kind of, I mean, taking it way back to uh, the beginning of Pro Mod and the Top Sportsman events. Um, so, um, so there were. Four, the four top qualifiers in that event were Andrew Johnson, Bob Galitti, Rich Smith, and Earl Falls. All those guys, Andrew and Earl, have been on the show. Uh, we we knew those guys, and it was it was a heck of a show. Um, the winner was Bob Galiddi. Andrew goes red, and um, he's going to kick himself, I'm sure, a little bit because when I tell you what happened on the top dragster side, which is Uh, They did the exact same thing. They did an outlaw fast four. So um, those four were Danny Nelson, Ashley Johnson, Andrew's wife, Kathy Fisher, and Jimmy Sokovich. So those guys, those four went after it. And Andrew's wife, Ashley, gets the win. She she goes, kills it. Um, The crew chief had it on kill there, and Ashley gets the win. And Andrew, I think, had some – he actually had, I think, a tenth on Bob Gliddey. So if he goes green, he likely has a shot at making it a Hubs and Wife's winner in the Outlaw Top Fast Four in uh, St. Louis. So um, I'm sure he's going to be uh, kicking himself a little bit. And uh, Ashley has, uh, you know, dibs around the house then for the for the next week or so. So um, congrats to all of those guys all eight of those guys making the outlaw fast four heads up event um on the but just to recap here on top dragster side then your number one qualifier was phil oakley from oakley motorsports he goes 379 with an eight it was a 16 car field which was good for this event in terms of um i think that's the first time they've had an entire field um that was that was really full and um and really quick so congrats to Midwest Pro Mod Series for continuing to gain momentum on uh, that event and your winner ultimately was Dan Phelps. He gets the win in that nice field. Congrats to Dan Phelps on the top dragster side in St. Louis. Now let's go to Atco Division 1 NHRA uh, event number 4 out there for the divisional events in top sportsman. Your number 1 qualifier was Michael Lubininsky from Holbrook, New York in an 08 Cobalt. He goes six forty six eight at 223 miles an hour. There were 38 cars there, so the bump spot was 725.4. And your winner in the final was Ronnie Proctor over Jeff Brooks. So this final was awesome. Not only did you have the last year's top sportsman national champion, Uh, who had the number one on his car window. But he also had Jeff Brooks put number four on his. Almost a heads-up start. Proctor dialed 670 to Brooks 668. Um, So that's super cool. And those were two serious competitors in the final. So uh, nice work to the champ, Ronnie Proctor, for getting that done and uh, uh, moving on and, and regaining some points that way. On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was Frederick Perkins. Uh, He goes 612 with a 2 at 227 miles an hour. There are 41 cars there. Nice job, guys. The bump spot was 680. And your winner was Brian Corey from the 12th spot. Um, And uh, he faces Alden Miller in the final. Alden goes red, giving Brian his final first divisional win of the year. So nicely done, Brian Corey. And the last event we need to cover, we got to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Of course, this was rescheduled from earlier than the year when the tornadoes went by and uh, tried to destroy everything. So um, that was rescheduled. I I think it hurt a little bit of people's scheduling and ability to get out there. Um, On the top sportsman side, there were uh, only nine door slammers that were entered. Darian Bosch, our guy, came on the show earlier. He goes 652.6 uh, for the number one qualifying spot. I think he dialed it back just a little bit um, from there. But your winner uh, was Jeff Sutherland in a 98 Cutlass. Maybe, maybe one of the greatest top sportsman cars ever created. It just uh, There's a lot of room in that car, a lot of windows. You can see everything. Might be the greatest top sportsman car ever. Um, He gets a win over Darian Bosch. Uh, Darian had the whole shot but had troubles down track. And Jeff Sutherland gets his first divisional event victory. Congrats, Jeff Sutherland. Um, On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier in the pole position was William Cruz. He goes 6'10 with an 8. There were 25 dragsters in the field. And your winner was Jeff Strickland over Mark Jones. Strick gets his—it's the whole shot and his 22nd divisional event win. Nicely done, Jeff Strickland. Um, keeps it rolling. All right. Next week, uh, we will have results from the NHRA Division Five event in Brainerd, Minnesota. We will have results from the World Series of Pro Mod uh, event at Bandimere Raceway in Denver, Colorado, which were 10 grand to win on both sides of the of the aisle, and we will get you caught up on all the point standings. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here for a minute. Um, our next guest um, is is really a drag race jack of all trades. Um, he is a NHRA media team member. Um, you can see him live uh, on those shows. Um, he is a very accomplished bracket race announcer he is the co-host of Dialed In with Zach and Jake. That's another uh, bracket racing podcast. And he is most recently a bracket race promoter, uh, promoting the Working Man's 10Ks. Welcome to the show from Spencer, Indiana, Jake Hodge. Jake, how are you today?
3: Good, Rex. Longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs>
1: fantastic i'm glad you said that um hey the first time that you and i ever met you were driving the hooking hillbilly you want to tell us about that ride and how you got started in the sport
3: yeah um well it kind of goes back to my dad you know he built that car the year i was born and you know life events happened ended up getting parked in like 2001 or 2002 and it just sat there well you know going back to you know i was 12 13 14 years old and my my grandpa always dirt raced so I started doing that then. I got emancipated at like 13 because that's what you had to do to go dirt track racing then, like with the big kids. Okay. And about four years of that, my dad said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired of beating on this thing and people running over you. Can you, uh, can we just go drag racing, you know, sell all this stuff and uh, I'll, I'll just, whatever you get, whatever you get out of your dirt car stuff, just give it to me and you can have this wagon. So <laughs> we did that and uh, I did that when I was 17 and it's kind of hard to believe it was eight years ago now, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a 74 Vega wagon with the small block and. Uh, it's kind of got getting a whole bunch of updates right now. It just got a race pack and some K and R wiring stuff put in it and a brand new small block from, from our, I guess you could say our friend, right? Aaron Dysinger. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's always been pretty good to me and that's kind of where I, I got, I got started in the drag racing world and it's been sitting for a couple of years, but it's about done. It's about to make a, make
1: a comeback. I like it. Yeah. We need to get that dude back out there. Um, but you've also, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff in the drag racing world, um, and uh, you know, one of those things was you—you've been announcing some big-dollar bracket race events. Um, I think most notably, maybe was the SFG. Um, but you kind of got started in that in a unique way. You want to tell us how you got that gig?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, me, me being young and dumb, I was sitting sitting at home watching it on Motor Mania, and, and I had just never met never met Kyle Riley in my life and I I just sent him a Facebook message and said hey you know this hurts to watch I can do better (laughs) and and uh, and back then you know that was probably the wrong thing to say and the wrong way to go about it but I didn't expect him to say you know put up or shut up (laughs) so so in uh the end of 2017 I went to Darlington for a a tryout and you know it it was literally a tryout I got my travel paid and um, he ended up giving me a little bit of money on top of it but we agreed on just just paying my travel, and if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And oh. um, Well, it, it kind of stuck, I think.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I think uh, by all accounts, uh, people, you know, loved having you behind the mic, and and that that turned in, into something even greater, which I think is really cool. You're doing some stuff, or you have done some stuff for NHRA. Did you do it the same way? Did you just uh, call them and go, hey, you clowns need to get better? Or what what happened there?
3: Well, that's actually a, a funny story because at, at PRI this past year, um, I was not invited with the SFG crew to go to PRI, which is fine. You know, not a big deal, but the year before, we all went together. Okay. Um, well, the first day of PRI, I'm walking around, I get a phone call, and it, it was a phone call telling me there wasn't any room for me the next year there, which is, you know – for for me that was that was like rock bottom. That was that was pretty upsetting because I really enjoyed it. You know, I got to do a lot of things through that, and uh, I went to I, through the podcast. I got a media credential, so I went to Don O'Neill's uh, uh, NGK Unveiling. Well, I saw Warren Evans there, the DragRacer.tv TV guy, and he said, "Hey, you know that they're, they're kind of having tryouts this year through NHRA. If, you know, I can probably point you in the right direction if that's what you want to do." So for about ten minutes, I was I was probably the most Peed off person into the whole PRI, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I, after I left the media center, I, I ran into Brian Loans and I said, Hey, Loans, uh, you know, I've I known him, you know, here and there and everywhere. And I said, Do you mind, you know, giving me a little bit of grace? You know, if, talk to what well, the guy's name is Evan Jonathan, the guy that the the VP of live media and marketing. Um, so, you know, long story short, that ended up to uh, William Tharp, our guy right here in D3. He, he texted this. I mean, I got a couple of people backing me through that deal, and you know, next thing I know, I'm I'm on the docket to be in Houston in April.
1: Really cool stuff, and and um, so and what did the NHRA have you doing for them? Like I, I mean, for our listeners, um, what's that like compared to doing the call for a big dollar bracket race?
3: Well, you know, on on the early days, you know, on Thursdays and national events and stuff, you know, it's really a lot of a lot of. Super classes and Lucas Oil Series stuff. So you know, I, I can kind of announce the same way I always have, and I can get away with it. Um, when it comes into, like, prime time and, and when the when the pros are running Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you, you kind of have to dumb it down a little bit. Um, you can't tell, you know, the average fan, he's five-take-five five and turns on the wind light. You know, That's it's not. right. Yeah. Alan Reinhart looks at you and wants to punch you in the head. You know, it's not. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, but for the pro classes and stuff, it's really cool. I get to go down, I get to go down the top end and, you know, do interviews through the NHRA TV app and, uh, be on the Sunoco vision through that whole process. And, um, it's, it's just awesome. You know, I, it's a opportunity, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it's nothing I ever had an interest in, you know, I never ever thought I would be wanting to do that. I always wanted to be the guy getting interviewed, but I really enjoy it. And I really, you know, I've met a lot of awesome people through that process. And, um, I'm just, I'm grateful to get the opportunity to do it.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh I think you bring a great perspective to it as well and um are, are you going to keep doing that? Like is that kind of a goal of yours to continue on or how's that how's that gone so far?
3: Yeah, you know, I think so and I, I did the one in Houston and I'm like, wow, that was bad, you know, they're not going to call me back." And, <laughs> you know, I got a I got an email on Tuesday from Evan saying, "Hey man, you know, we, that was great. We really appreciated it. Uh, you know, keep in touch. We'll be we'll be getting a hold of you soon." okay. So you know, whenever you tell me you're getting a hold of me soon, I'm thinking, you know, Thursday or Friday that week. <laughs> right. So I went like a month and a half and didn't hear from him. And, you know, about a month before the, the Jags all-stars and the, um, the route 66 national event, they said, Hey, uh, can you come up and help out? Like, well, sure. So I did that one. And about three weeks ago, I got another email wanting to go to the second Z max race in Carolina or in North Carolina, August, October 11th through 13th, I think is what it was. So,
1: Ah, very cool, one. man. Yeah.
3: We got another one to do. So um not only did I, you know, get the the awesome opportunity to do it once and then twice, but we're gonna do it a third time.
1: Uh keep it rolling, brother. We um we want all the people from southern Indiana that we can. Like that helps our cause and uh and you do a great job with it. So uh yeah, keep it rolling, huh?
3: Yeah.
1: Um hey, so now you've also done you I mean, you've got a lot of media credentials to your credit at this point. I mean, on top of the announcing, um, both bracket racing and NHRA events, you also have a podcast dialed in with Zach and Jake. And I'm told that one of you is a good bracket racer. Which one is it?
3: <laughs> that is 100%
1: Zach. <laughs> yeah, talk, talk to our He's listeners a little bit about and, what you guys yeah. do yeah, on a weekly yeah. basis.
3: Yeah, well, uh, Zach's a, he's a racer out of uh, Southern Indiana. He lives in Evansville, and he, uh, I mean, he's got a, a six twenty door car that he just goes around and mops everybody up with it. And, um, he he lets go really, really well. If I could let go half as good as he could, I, I might be able to do something. But he, uh, yeah, he kind of he kind of hit me up a few different times and like, hey, let's do this podcast thing, and I was like, no, nah, I don't have time. You know, it's a lot of work. He Finally, talked me into it, and, and as you know, it's a lot of work. For sure. Um um but he's he's really, really good. I mean I, I think that if he had the opportunity and if he got to go, you know, a lot, a lot of the places that I'm lucky enough to get to go that you know, you'd hear a lot more about him. But um hopefully that'll be uh sooner than later. But um yeah, I I s I don't know about myself. I'm really good at breaking things and I'm really good <laughs> at letting go bad and then getting behind too
1: much, so well, we all give you a lot of hard time. I, I know that, but uh, but you've had plenty of success, and just coming off even this weekend of a nice nice finish, where you made some money. Uh, so, congrats on that. But you guys really talk on a weekly basis about the um, bracket racing in the world of that on a weekly basis, right?
3: Yeah, and you know when we started the deal, you know Luke Luke and Jed are the professionals. I mean, they're they're we're not going to be better than them ever. And we understand that, but they're the, they're the super class and big money bracket deal. And we cover a lot of big money bracket stuff and talk to a lot of winners from that. But, you know, we also, you know, guys like us that, you know, like you and I, we were going I 57 back in the day all the time, you know, right. local guys, lo- what's happening locally, what's going on, you know, um, in the Midwest, what's going on, big news outside the Midwest. Like um, we have a sticker program, and you buy a set of stickers, and you win. No matter if you win a Canberra first or you know you get to come on the podcast and talk about it so um i mean it's even like the support of little guys most of the
1: big guys yep and and you also cover the super quick guys um quite a bit too which is interesting to me because those guys have a similar mentality of of our um listeners and racers and and top sportsmen top dragster i mean super quick is I mean, it is very, very close to what we do here. And uh, you do a great job of covering those guys.
3: Well, yeah, I know that's the Super Quick Series is really a bigger series for top sportsmen and top fractures because a lot of those guys move on. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if CJ Oak just, just clinches his relationship championship run top fractures or top sportsmen or something along those lines in the next few years. So um you know it's definitely keeping the fountain of youth going through and and uprising everybody's asking the question where's the next generation coming from and it's not coming from sportsmen and pro class anymore really it's coming from you know super comp super gas super pro top dragster you know that's that's the kids are starting out much faster than what they have before
1: yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more that uh that series is great and probably something i spend a little more time on uh covering but uh but then the other thing that you've got your foot in, I mean, it's its hard to keep up with you, Jake, because you've got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, the other thing you're doing, you've dipped your toe in the water in uh, bracket race promotion as well. And you've got a big race coming up here in a couple of weeks.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to keep up with myself sometimes. You know, if you looked at the, the schedule on my phone, it's like, holy cow, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, we don't have a... You know, since really since the U.S. Open left, we don't have a, a big money race in Indiana that everybody circles on the calendar. Um, you know, we've got you know a couple of people dip, dip their toes into five granders and stuff, but it wasn't guaranteed. And you know, it we're ten thousand dollars guaranteed, and it's got more you know more round prizes. And then smallpox killed people back in the day. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. um Well, I'm I'm excited about it. I'll be there, so I'm uh you know I'm I'm looking forward to it and. Um, you know rooting for you to kind of pull this one off too like you've done with the other stuff
3: yeah and I think that you know I don't think of myself very highly but I think that I've I've made enough relationships with people that it's I think I don't know that there's it'll be successful but to the point where if I break even we'll have a couple more next year you know but if I lose five six seven thousand it's kind of gonna take one on the chin but Either way, it's guaranteed purse. It's going to get paid, and somebody's got to win it, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. No, and it's a great track. And I think, to your point, in the fact that Indiana doesn't have anything like that, I think it's going to draw well. So, um, I am rooting for you. And um, you know, I will. I will see you in a couple weeks. What weekend is that? To so tell our listeners that uh, might want to get in on that action.
3: It's the twenty third to the twenty fifth. Um, the, the Saturday. It's a. Saturday, Sunday main event, but there's a, a guaranteed 2,000 on Friday night. Um, just like a little warm up deal. But uh, I mean, everywhere is closed but Bowling Green, they've got a divisional. So hopefully right. that, that'll work. And, you know, from St. Louis to Norwalk, everybody's closed down. So it should be, uh, hopefully, in a successful event. And um, I think I've put together a pretty good team to, to make it to pull it off. Yeah. We've got like free tacos and fried rice and, and margaritas Saturday night. Who doesn't want to show up?
1: Yeah. That, that just nailed down a few extra <laughs> entries right there. Um, and that is, that is the working man's 10 grand at Waggler Motorsports park in Lyons, Indiana. Correct.
3: Yep. And all the updates are on the final call promotions Facebook page. So we'll give it a like and uh, hopefully we get to see everybody there. I know, I know a lot of your listeners will be at Bowling Green and stuff, but um, it'd be cool to, to see a lot of top sportsmen, top dragster guys there too. I think they're going to have a, a top sportsman, top dragster runoff this weekend. It's, eight and eight or something like that, or 16 and 16.
1: Yeah. They're, they're trying to do something along those lines. So yeah, we'll see how that shakes out, but, uh, well, let me ask you this. You've got all these things going. What's, what's next or what's your ultimate goal in this business?
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of slowed down here in a little bit. I think, you know, I just recently got full custody of my son, so I've got to kind of reel it back a little bit and he wants to start junior racing more and, you know, it's a lot of money to start the junior program that I've got, so I probably should use it um, but you know, if the NHRA thing happens, you know, I'll make it work. You know, I, I can leave on Wednesday nights and be home on Sunday nights. It's not that big of a deal, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to promote for a living. I want to just have a good time, you know, not a professional racing series. I want to, I want to promote a few races a year, maybe, um, just to where everybody can come and hang out and have a good time, not race till three four five o'clock in the morning and, you know, get home at a decent time Sunday night. But, um, I don't know. Hopefully I'll, I'll win like the guaranteed million Memphis or something, or or Martin and then we'll have a different conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, from a personal level, congrats on getting that custody of your son. I know exactly how tough that can be and uh, just really excited for you from that standpoint and from a professional side. Very cool stuff. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I will see you in a couple weeks, but uh, we'd love to have you back on um, at some point and let us know how all this stuff shook out for you.
3: Yep. And one more thing before we get off here, I know Don O'Neill's on this episode too, and Don's a good friend of mine, but, um, everybody, whatever you believe in, you know, his, his wife is fighting one hell of a cancer battle and, you know, it's not something Don likes to, I mean, he'll talk about it, but you know, it's really, it really bothers him deep down. And, you know, if you, whatever you believe in, you know, they need all the prayers you can get and she's such an awesome woman. So, um, whatever you guys believe in, they need all the support they can get. And, uh, She's tough, man. She—if we were—if we were anywhere near as tough as her, man, we, we'd be Hulk Hogan.
1: Totally agree. Um, as you might guess, Don stayed away from that topic, and uh, we talked very much about the technical side of it. But, uh, but yeah, um, all our thoughts and prayers go out to Don and Diane, and they're super great people.
3: Yep, absolutely. All
1: right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Um, we appreciate you, and uh, we will talk real soon. See you, Rex. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we've got to talk about John Force getting his 150th funny car win. Um, Let's give the man his due. First of all, 150 anythings is amazing. I mean, if I sleep through the night 150 times this year, that would be nice. Um, But 150 wins in a funny car is an amazing accomplishment. And and you can uh, take sides on this. I've, I've heard different versions of this. Uh, you can love him. You can hate him. I mean, I don't care, but my man wins it. He's cussing on live TV. He's kissing Ron Cap's on the lips. He's hopping over fences, falling ass over tea kettle, trying to hop the fence, and running into the fans to celebrate. I mean, it was awesome. Um, he is great for the sport. He brings emotion and passion to the sport. He is not the corporate robot that uh, we see so much out there, although he certainly gets the corporate side of it uh, for sure, but I don't know. I still root for him. I mean, I will say this also. I've met him a handful of times, and it's typically randomly out for dinner uh, at Applebee's or something like that, and he was great. I mean, not good, great with me, the kids, telling the kids to stay in school and work hard. I just thought it was fantastic off the clock as well. Um, so congrats to John Forrest for getting that old hot rod down the track for winning number 150. All right, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 16. Look up. There it is. There's the wind light. Um, Producer Rob is playing Gloria. All is right in the world. Um, Hey, special thanks to Don O'Neill and Jake Hodge for coming on today. They were both fantastic. Um, Next week, we will will get into more results. We will give you points, updates on all the series. And always, we will have the best drivers and tech talk for you. Hey, tell all your friends about the show. Like the Facebook page. It really is the best way for us to count our listeners. Um, I need you to share that Facebook link. That really helps with the Facebook algorithm. Uh, Make a comment. I don't care what you say, truly, but uh, every comment is good. And if you've listened every week, if you got one laugh, if you gained some info you didn't have before, just hit that like button, let us know you're listening, and then tell your like-minded Fast Brackets friends um hope you enjoyed it try to stay cool out there keep the rubber side down and travel safe
0: what's up fast brackets listeners this is luke bogacki for this is listen you have invested a ton of time energy resources into your racing operation it's no small feat to compete at the level and quite frankly at the speeds that you do on a regular basis you deserve to see a return on that investment in terms of wind lights That's where we come in. You've got incredible equipment. You don't need me to tell you how to go fast or how to get down the racetrack with a ton of power. In fact, you probably don't even need me to tell you how to hold 500s or drive the finish line like Jason Lynch. You've got awesome equipment, and you don't need to get too creative. But you need to hit the tree. That matters at every level of competition. I can help. Exclusively for Fast Brackets listeners, we're giving away one of our best reaction time trainings for free. To take advantage, visit thisisbracketracing.com slash fast reaction. Again, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash fast reaction.
1: All right, man, good show. And the uh, guests, again, were brilliant. Uh, Don and Jake were awesome, both from a technical side and just personally, they are really, really good dudes.